Side Hustle Show 169. It's the best passive income model. An update from a listener who took action, part two. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. Where it's all about ideas, action, and results of building job-free income streams. Today's episode is part two of what at the moment is a two-part series on listeners who took action on one particular episode they heard last year. So yesterday in episode 168, we heard from Josh Brooks, the Army Battalion commander who'd actually been investing in real estate for quite a while, but accelerated his efforts after hearing the land geek, Mark Podolsky, on the Side Hustle Show last year. Mark was on episode 108, and he says raw land investing is the best passive income model because there are no products to build, there are no tenants to deal with, no toilets to repair, and you can start without a big upfront investment. So if you missed that episode and you want to go revisit it, you can do so at sidehustlenation.com slash land. And in this special Friday edition of the show, I'm joined by another raw land investor, Chris Pritchard. Um, Chris actually became a student of Mark's after hearing that conversation last year. And today, Chris is earning 1500 bucks a month in recurring revenue from his land deals, and he's got another $70,000 in payments under contract. That's money due to him over the next several years, and that's in addition to flipping some properties for quick cash profit. Chris is a software developer by day, and is even incorporating that expertise into his new side hustle, building a phone service for fellow land investors called landlines.com, uh, landlines with a Z. Uh, it's a great example of another opportunity opening up to you once you're already in motion, right? You can check out some of Chris's deals at landsofadventure.com, and you can grab the land investing action guide that includes both Josh and Chris's top tips at sidehustlenation.com slash land2, L-A-N-D-2. Ready? Let's do it. I basically have about uh, in land payments every month. I made about $30,000 last month in total sales and payments. And I've got about 75000 in land contract uh, totals. Uh, you know, basically, people are paying me. Like, that's the balance of the contracts that I have active right now that people pay me on every month. That's kind of where I'm sitting right this very minute. And... Who knows, by the time this airs, it, it could be quite a bit different because I've got, there's always something going on. There's always a deal, you know, coming in or going out, you know, buying and selling. It's, it's really fun. Just, you know, that, that kind of any day, anything can happen. Yeah, that's awesome. So we're a year into it. You've got kind of this uh, portfolio of assets and it's already paying you 1500 bucks a month. Do you have much cash outflow um, to subtract from that? I do have some. It's uh, marketing, you know, different websites that charge or, um, you know, some uh, like virtual assistants that uh, help me out with different things like doing some of the research on properties or, uh, you know, doing the contracts for me, you know, like setting things up, doing some paperwork and things like that. Okay. So there's some fixed costs and some variable costs in there. All right. Well, we'll dive into those kind of as we as we go through this. So what's the first step if somebody wants to get started and, and try and replicate your success here? You know, like you said, I heard Mark Vidolsky. I bought his program 
the investor's toolkit, and I basically just started doing exactly what that said. I just devoured the program, just kept doing what it says to do. It kept it simple. I didn't, you know, even though I'm a software engineer, I didn't do a lot of the things like I would normally do. Like I didn't worry about getting a website set up ahead of time. I, I didn't have like a MailChimp mailing list or anything like that. I didn't set up a lot of the ancillary type things that you'd think of for a business. I just started mailing out letters, started getting stuff back, started listing them on Craigslist and, and just kind of went from there. So I kept it simple and that's really what helped. So how did you figure out who to send the letters to? Basically, it's just people who are behind on their taxes and a lot of people they live out of state. Maybe they inherited some properties. They're not really too interested in it. They may ne- never even go there. But uh, you send them a letter with an offer, and you know a certain percentage of them will say yeah. What kind of what kind of take rate do can people expect, or do you, or do you see on these letters? Oh, it's like three to five percent. It's direct mail, so it kind of corresponds with those uh, those numbers. You know, if you just send direct mail on anything, you're going to get you know a few percent basically of return. Yeah. So you can scrub these databases or are you buying lists of these, uh, of these property owners? I've got a guy who's really doing, who's really good at doing screen scraping. So uh, a lot of times I'll find a county's website where that you can look up your taxes to pay them online. And if you just like type a, it'll show all the A's. And then like, I just have that guy go in there and he automates the whole thing. He'll get me the entire list. And that's usually where I start. That's crazy. So <laughs> that that shows you the list of parcels, or that shows you the list of landowners. Well, it's got their it's got the owners, their addresses. You know, it's basically all the information I need to do this, and then it shows like their estimated market values and things like that. It varies depending on the county. Some are more complicated to get the data for than others, but okay, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so after I mean, a while, you get used to it. And kind of like Mark, you targeting kind of the south uh, southwest um, mountain mountain west states. Not as much. Um, you know, Mark does have a fondness for certain areas of the country, and I've, I've kind of gotten, uh, you know, a different take on it. I like things with trees and hills and stuff like that, so I'm more in the Midwest, actually. Oh, where okay. I so just finding a map of these counties and going to their individual websites and seeing, seeing if you can figure out who, who owns this stuff. Exactly. So this, is, so this will give you an estimate of the property's value. And so in the letter that you send, are you saying, like, Hey, I noticed that you owe back taxes on it, and I'd like to take that off your hands. Like, how, do you, how are you wording that? I don't usually mention the back taxes other than I'll take care of them if they're within reason. Sometimes I adjust the offer if there's, like, a lot of taxes. Okay. But, but it's generally just uh, an offer for, like, a certain percentage of the county's estimated value. And sometimes I do a little research to look, you know, at, at what market values are because, you know, sometimes the counties are a little off. Okay. So I, I do a little research to figure out what the best offer is. Any, any tools you like to find comps for these kind of sales? Trulia, Zillow, Land and Farm, Landwatch. I mean, any place where somebody's selling land, you can find some comps in some areas. Okay. You know, if, if, you're, not, look, if you're not finding comps, then, you know, I've never run into that situation, but I've heard if you can't find anybody selling anything there, you might not want to mess with it. That might be a, bear, that might be a red flag. <laughs> Okay, so it's like, hey, Mr. Landowner, I came across your your parcel, and I'd love to take it off your hand. Here's my cash offer. Yeah, basically. Okay, and is there anything in this letter? Um, and this is something we talked about on the previous conversation was like to make that offer stand out or to make that letter stand out versus you know I imagine other people are scrubbing the same databases and and mailing similar offers. 
Oh, well, I still handwrite all the envelopes, all the uh, names and addresses on the front of the envelope. Okay. It seems a little more personal. You can get a full-service letter machine, you know, to crank out, you know, a thousand letters, and it'll be it'll look pretty business-like. And I've heard there's no difference in the actual open rates on them, but so far I'm still doing it by hand. Yeah, I'm more likely to open something. I guess I guess I open something to shred it, regardless of whether it's handwritten or not. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but you know, I'm definitely more curious when it's handwritten. Yeah, that's my thought. Okay, so three to five percent of these people will respond. What's what's the next step in that process? Well, the after I get the response, I I have somebody who does the research for me now. But originally, like when I first got uh, my first batch of offers, I actually called up the counties and asked them about different aspects of it. Uh, you know, how much the back taxes were, kind of sometimes the size of the parcels because I may not know that already. Different things like that. You know, all the information that I would need to make sure that. The, the title's going to be clean. I know everything about the costs involved to acquire the property. Okay. This is like your due diligence phase. Oh, yeah, exactly. Due diligence. And at any point, are you setting foot on the dirt? It's happened, but <laughs> only because I happen to live close to an area that, uh, that I work in. But normally, no, I, I've not. What I'll do if, you know, to get pictures and videos of the properties, I'll actually put an ad on Craigslist, you know, to find someone who can just go up there and get pictures and videos or whatever. Okay. Take a look around. And any other, like, have you run into any other kind of hidden liabilities or, or something during this due diligence phase where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I didn't pull the trigger on this deal? Um, there was one time somebody had like some real huge fines on the land because there was a building there that they didn't want to tear down and they got fined by the county. So, you know, it showed up in the taxes, but it was really strange, like why it was such a big amount. So I didn't move forward, but, you know, there's some have a history that can make them more troubling or, or a little trickier to work something out with. So just pass. There's enough deals out there. Yeah. And say, no, no, I'm not going to mess around with this one. Yeah, exactly. Just curious, how much time are you spending on on this business? Maybe twenty hours a week, but a, a lot of that could be things like you know working with VAs to improve the process so that things are a little more automated. And then lately, it's been you know like this new phone system stuff, kind of working up some ideas and things on that. Gotcha. Where do you where do you see or where have you seen the best uh, opportunities to delegate some of this? Well, research is the easiest one. I've got somebody who is in, uh, I think, the Philippines, and she works for a some kind of a realtor-type company over there who I guess they outsource to. So I'm her night job. She basically, I'll list, I'll put all the parcels up on a list for her to go through and research everything. She'll go and pull everything like deeds and, and taxes and stuff. So she'll have it all done the next day. Okay, that's a pretty good setup. And then are you getting on the phone with the with the sellers or like, you know, what's the what's that transaction or is it just like all done through mail, email? Well, I offer a lot of ways for people to connect with me. It's um, I, I, you know, trying to take down any barriers. So, you know, there are some people who say they only do like uh, email, like on Craigslist, they'll only list an email address to reply to. But I'll put a, a number to text or call. And uh, I've even got a chat thing on the website. So, you know, okay. 
I just leave it all out there for people to contact me. And in all that, that's kind of where I came up with the idea to do the phone service because a good way to do it is to have a line for buyers and then a line for sellers so that you, ha- you know more about what's going on when people call. And sometimes you maybe you want to just let some of the callers go to voicemail, but if somebody's calling in to buy, you know, to buy a property, you might want to go ahead and pick up. So you never know who's calling. So if some of the things that I plan to do in the system is to make it easier to tell and manage some of that flow. Okay. What's a typical acquisition cost for a parcel? Or, you know, you said something with trees, any other criteria you're looking for in terms of acreage or, or price point? My sweet spot is really in the uh, $1,000 to $1,500. I don't, you know, because a lot of times you're getting like an acre for that amount, depending on the location. But if I can, you know, I know that I can sell those at, say, $99 a month, maybe even $99 down and get my money back, you know, in a pretty decent amount of time. So those are a lot of what I do. You know, if they get too big, I've got six and a half acres on Table Rock Lake in Missouri, which is actually a pretty uh, upscale area. And, you know, so that one, it does present a challenge of, you know, finding the right buyer because I'd charge like $500 a month for like 10 years for that property. And so it's going to be, you know, it's going to be in the pipeline longer than one that I buy for like $1,000 and then put it on those payments, you know, for a couple of years or whatever. So I'm going to sell, you know, 10 of those before I sell this other, you know, big lake lot thing, you know. Okay. And then, and that's, you know, there's a lot of things that you brought up there. But one I wanted to ask about was your uh, turnaround time. So, like, mm-hmm. are you, you know, buying and holding stuff for a long period or you, you tend to find buyers pretty quick? It does vary. For instance, like, if I can find stuff that I can price, you know, $99 down, $99 a month, I'll sell a lot of those. It's almost like when you go to the grocery store, there's these items that are always like, they're always going through stock, but the, I don't know, there's going to be stuff depending on the pricing and the location. There's going to be things I churn through a lot faster, you know, and like in the summer, if I've got a lake lot, it's just going to get snapped up pretty quick, but in the winter it won't, you know, do are those uh, payment prices or lease lease to buy prices based off like a cash purchase price. So I'm curious how are you setting that price? Like obviously ninety nine dollars is an attractive thing or attractive number, mm-hmm. but where does is there like some science behind that? You know, even before I started doing this, I saw that kind of marketing on lots. I you know I I just was thinking to myself that it'd be good to have some land somewhere, and so I looked around and I saw some of these deals that were like ninety nine dollars down, ninety nine dollars a month. And it looked compelling, you know, it's like cheap, you buy like an acre of land and you just make some payments, it's, you know, it's an easy payment. And then I thought more about it, like, okay, so how are they doing this business? And that, you know, I actually was thinking along those lines before I heard the uh, podcast with Mark Podolsky. So um, it was already front and center, you know, on my mind. But uh, that's just, it's kind of the business, you know, easy payments for people, because there's a lot of people out there who just want to get a little bit of land. Mark calls them, uh, like he says, they're man jewelry. You know, people will collect like a certain number of parcels of land and that's, you know, that's what makes them happy. It's, it's cheaper than a lot of, uh, a lot of jewelry too. Yeah. Yeah. It is. <laughs> and, and so these are going to be on, you know, five or seven year terms or, or depending on the prime. I mean, you can make, you can stretch it out and you can structure it however you want and say, yeah. once you, once you complete the payment cycle, you know, I'll, 
I'll hand over the deed. So you're still holding it in the meantime. And so you're responsible for, I guess, maybe liability insurance or, or like the tax carrying costs and stuff like that. Are there, is that a significant burden for you? No, I, in the contract, it just says that uh, when, when the taxes are paid, they'll just reimburse within 30 days. So I just send them something that says, you know, here's, you know, this all paid. And, you know, and once I do transfer ownership at the end of the payment period, that'll just be up to them to make those payments. But okay, so I, you're, passing, uh, you're passing the tax cost on to the buyer. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty common. I don't think I, I haven't talked to anybody who actually does it any other way. Okay. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Okay, so uh, you mentioned Craigslist, you mentioned Land and Farm. Are there any other, well, and of course your own uh, website, Lands of Adventure, are there, um, are these the kind of the main marketing channels to find buyers? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Those three <laughs> are the main ones I use. There's, you know, there's, I, I, see some here and there and you know i but as far as you know traffic goes you know i think land and farm and land watch are, are pretty close you know as far as how many leads i get from them and craigslist is just you know the most that's where most people go really that's an, that's an interesting one do you have uh do you have a target you're shooting for in terms of cash flow in terms of number of acres or property like do you want to own like half the state or something <laughs> oh half the state well um there's actually been some smaller areas where I'd look at a little subdivided area and say, yeah, it'd be cool to own like all of that because 
one guy sold me nine lots in an area, and it's probably got about 40. So I had a pretty good chunk of that place. Okay. And, uh, but, you know, it's, there are some places where I have a really good experience selling, and I want to get more in that area because I know I can sell them, you know. So okay. there are times where that happens. Okay. Yeah, so you're at fifteen hundred bucks a month. Like, are you? Is this going to be a, a job replacing income level at what point? Or you know, what are you? What are you shooting for? What's what's the end game? Oh, if I had like um, you know ten thousand a month in land payments, that'd be pretty cool. You know, but if somebody does a cash purchase, uh, you know, it could be. You know, that's why February was such a great month for me. You know, somebody bought like twenty thousand dollars worth of land, so. You know, that's awesome. I, it's ten thousand a month in payments is great, but if you can do a cash sale, you know, you can have a really good month anytime. You got to hold on to that for more than twelve months, so you can get hit with your short term gains. Well, yeah, I, I reinvest a lot of stuff, so yeah, I'll leave that up to the accountants. All right. Fair <laughs> Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining me. I think this is a very insightful stuff and a very exciting side hustle to try and uh, to try and break into. So I appreciate you sharing your uh, your insight, your success on that front. Uh, you can check them out at landsofadventure.com. And we'll wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. I've got an all-time favorite book. It's called uh, The Richest Man in Babylon. And it really taught me a good way to look at money and how to make it grow. There's a lot of good advice in that book. It's always been one of my favorites. Well, very cool. We'll have to check that one out. Thanks, Chris. We'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thanks, Nick. Talk to you later. Well, there you have it. Another take on the land investing side hustle. Of course, if you want to check out the original episode, the one that inspired the last two, it is episode 108. And you can find it at sidehustlenation.com slash land. And if you want to learn more about this business from the land geek himself, you can head over to sidehustlenation.com slash TLG. That's TLG for the land geek. Now, currently on that page, Mark is giving away his free land investing blueprint, uh, though that, may, that offer may change in the future. And uh, for the sake of disclosure, that is an affiliate link. So Chris is a year deep into this. He's putting in his, like he said, 20 hours a week and uh, earning $1,500 a month, which maybe is not the most exciting hourly wage uh, in the world to you, but he's uh, collecting assets and he's building that accounts receivable receivable funnel, which he mentioned is now over $70,000. So if he stopped today, he could theoretically collect that seventy grand passively, which is, is pretty sweet in my book. So you can head over to sidehustlenation.com slash land2, L-A-N-D-2, to download a free PDF highlight reel with Chris's top tips from this call, as well as Josh's insights from part one in this series yesterday. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, let's go out there, make something happen like Chris did. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. I want to be featuring you a year from now. So let's make something happen and hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.